Welcome to The Future is Female Powerlifting, a show where women of all strengths can explore the world of female powerlifting. I am your host, Heidi Donnell, a 60-kilo powerlifting gym owner, and each episode we bring you an inspiring interview or a message to help you unlock your true <clears throat> potential. Thanks for tuning in. Aloha, my beautiful friends, and welcome back. We are on episode 66 with none other than Strong Sarah. <laughs> and I, I am uh, almost so surprised that she actually got the handle Strong Sarah because I would have expected it had been taken, you know, like a long time ago. But, man, she owns it. Um, and so if you don't follow Sarah, go out to Instagram look for a strong Sarah. And I felt so lucky today to be able to talk to her a little bit about not only her powerlifting journey, um, but really her involvement, her um, her experience, and um, now her subsequent ad- being an advocate for domestic violence and what that looks like for her and currently what she is doing to help um, bring more awareness uh, and bring more resources resources out to uh, domestic violence victims. Of course, we start every episode with a little bit of a chatter, a little bit of what's going on in the powerlifting world, what her training is like. And I always love to hear how she starts or how a lot of our lifters and our guests start off in their powerlifting journey because they're all kind of the same in the sense that they had no idea what really powerlifting was about, but they liked lifting heavy and they liked how that made them feel. Um, they liked the progress that they felt. So uh, it was really fun listening to her story. Uh, she's got a crazy funny one at the end for the what the hell was I thinking. So you're going to have to stick around for that. Also in the show notes, I'm going to have a little bit about um, two of the um businesses and the nonprofits that she's a part of, but I'd like to talk a little bit about them now, um, just mention them, and if you can find more information about them in the show notes. We Are Her is a survivor support group that she is a part of, an advocate for, um, and she talks a little bit more about that and why that means so dear to her, as well as Survivor's Best Friend, which is an, an event that is, um, well, actually, the event that she's going to be having is a deadlift and um, or Dogs and Deadlift um, event that's going to be coming up. And that will be um, helping the survivor's best friend where they help survivors adopt support animals. Like, how awesome is that? Um, so she talks all about that and gives us a little background about um, why it means so dear to her and her struggle and what it means to be a domestic violence victim advocate. And you know that this episode is brought to you by my gym, Core Strength and Performance, where we live through strength. And if you are trying to level up your powerlifting and you don't have anything right now, like you're kind of there, you maybe you're following a program, but you're not really seeing results uh, and, you know, it might be stalling or you're starting off in your in your journey and you just need a little bit more direction. Come follow me, core256.com. We do online training. Me and my husband, we team up together. Uh, We train people at our gym as well as online. So if that's something you want to talk about, visit core256.com and let me train you. Yo, and if you enjoy this show, 
If you like this podcast, if you like somebody that you heard on this show, please leave a review on iTunes, a five-star review, and leave a little note. I love reading those on uh, on air, um, and I love sharing them with the guests that I had on the show because they love reading that. And, you know, this is a small – we're a small group, people. You know, powerlifting is a small group community, and doesn't matter how many followers you have online, knowing that you can touch somebody and connect with somebody through something like this, where a lot of our guests are being very vulnerable and being very open with parts of their lives, that means something to them. So if it meant something to you, please leave a, a review and tag me in it and I will share it. Now, let's get it going with Sarah Strong. Anyways, um, But yeah, I'm so excited that we got on this call together. Um, oh, I know. And I'm really, you know... I can't remember when I was on um, the podcast where I was listening to the video. I was learning a lot more about terminology with domestic violence, um, Mm -hmm. what that looks like, you know, and um, I think to me, that was like my first real education on Uh what it looks like, what to look out for, what are some terms? Like I didn't realize, you know, these terms like gaslighting and things like that, those were all new to me. I knew what was uh, what was happening, but I didn't really realize. Yeah, and that's something like I've really educated myself on since experiencing it, and um, but I knew nothing before I went through it. You know? Yeah, totally. And so maybe you could give me a little bit more backstory as to your your life in powerlifting. Like, how has that been, and how did you even get to that? Yeah, so I first um, got certified as a personal trainer in 2011. And then started working as a trainer in early 2012 um, and just kind of did like gym lifts. Like I was very overweight when I was like in high school and college and um, just wanted to get certified to lose weight at first. Struggled with an eating disorder and then like kind of found strength training, um, which really helped me get over just like that body dysmorphia and um, empowered me to just feel strong. Uh, So then in 2015, I was working at a small personal training gym that was owned by a, a woman that powerlifted back in the 80s. Nice. And she had told me what powerlifting was, and I had never heard of it. And this was, you know, when it was pretty pretty new back then, 2015, as far as, like, getting popular, um, especially here in California. And so I looked up a meet, and I just signed up. And I signed up for my first meet with, like, no training. Oh, my I gosh. Like, okay, cool. I squat, bench, and deadlift. But, like it was just so ridiculous. Like I knew nothing. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about federations. I just found like the first and closest thing I could do. Um, but I fell in love with it. Like that first meet, you know, I, I always stress to people, it's not important what your numbers are in your first meet. And for me, it really wasn't, it was just the experience. And I met people and I learned the, the rules. I didn't know there were rules, you know? Um, and I look back at like my first two meets and they were just so embarrassing. Uh, (laughs) I am grateful for it and, uh, you know, develop from there into coaching powerlifting now, which is what I do full time. And I also, um, still train some people in person for like general fitness, but most of my business is with coaching powerlifting and I, I love it so much. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so funny that you say that because I feel like now my, there might be more social media pressure, um, to have like a really good first meet, you know, whereas like when I did my first meet, which I think was around then it was, uh, wait, no, what was my first meet 2012 or 2013, but it it was like unsanctioned, you know, it was Mm -hmm. like, I I wore a tank top and some like, it was supposed to wear fitted clothes. You know what I mean? Like, 
Uh, had no idea. My lips were all right. But yeah, I didn't really have any clue. And I didn't, it didn't stop me. Whereas I feel like I hear a lot of verbiage now is like, oh, no, my, yeah. I have to be strong before. Yeah, but what is strong? <laughs> and like the whole idea of like just having a handler out of me. And now it's like, because of Instagram, it's like, oh, you have to have a handler. It's like unheard of. And I, never had a handler until four years in and it was because I had a coach it was like at my coach's gym you know what I mean yeah and even then it's like he was coaching he wasn't necessarily handling me right um just things have changed so much just in the last few years yeah I feel like maybe when uh powerlifting was in his like real big heydays with geared stuff they would have handlers (laughs) right because a lot of people were going to need the help with the gear yeah it's like once it kind of went raw like I did not have anybody by my back until I moved to Texas, which was like a good six years after I started. And then Susan, who was Susan Salazar, who was one of my first episodes. Yeah, she was, you know, she coached me and she handled me. And I was like, this is kind of awesome. <laughs> you know, like right. you got somebody here who's going to be objective and tell you that was too slow or too fast or whatever it was, right. you know. Um, but yeah, it's funny because that that is true. You always and handlers gear and the that that's uh-huh. all important, too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah, wonderful. So it's interesting how it's all changed. Um, but I mean, I love it. I absolutely love my job and lifting. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't care about, I didn't even know anything about like competing really at a higher level. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it wasn't until after I had my son that I started to be like, oh, like, I'm just a few pounds away from an elite total. Like, oh, I can, I can qualify for these big beats. And then, you know, my lifting career has gotten a lot better just in the last, he's three. So in the last three years, I've gotten a lot stronger and like really become more competitive. What were your beginning lifts like? You oh gosh. People always love uh, hearing this. I want to say, so I want to say like I weighed in much heavier. I remember it was a USAPL meet and I, I don't know their weight classes, but I weighed probably like the high one forties and now I compete at one thirty two. So a big difference in weight. Um, and I want to say I squatted like 220, benched 115. I think my deadlift was 265. So they were, you know, okay for a first meet. I think I went like eight for nine. Um, and yeah, I mean, nothing impressive. I didn't place by any means, but it was fun and it was a good learning experience. So what are your numbers at now? Um, now I switched to classic raw. And my squat that I hit in the gym is 303, 297 on the platform, um, 154 bench, and 325 deadlift. Dang, that's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And having having two pregnancies in between there, so. Yeah, I think people forget that, you know, like I was so heavy with my last daughter that I, I trained the whole time, but you know, you're not training strength ranges at all. It's, you know, it's just like maintenance. Let me get in the gym and move around so I don't hurt all day. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that was a big one for me because it was that time that you don't, you have off. And if you have two children, <laughs> then you gotta have the after, right? Probably can't train right after. You're gonna have to wait a little right. bit, right? And then you gotta ease back into it. So that's, that's actually pretty damn good. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I think three more years from now, how that's gonna be. Right. That I mean, I hope I feel like now I'm past all of those newbie gains. Yeah. So yeah. like, the, you know, the PRs come like once a year and yeah. you're just like, all right, yeah. five pound PR once a year. But, um, That's but it's so all right. Funny, and so I'm happy with it. And, you know, I don't feel the need to get a 20 pound PR every meet. I'm just happy to do it. Yeah. I think that's where you kind of switch to having to see if you really do enjoy the process. Yeah. Or you just out 
to just get bigger numbers. Cause like I, last year was my biggest jump. And I think it was cause I was the most consistent because when we opened the gym, it was very hard for me to have, I just made a lot of excuses as to why I couldn't train hard enough. And then yeah. as consistent enough, you know, I was tired and I just, I wasn't able to mentally be like, well, suck it up. I just wasn't there. So last year I really felt like I gave a lot and I was, I had almost a 20 pound PR total, which is it's, like, yeah, like unheard of. I was like, this is amazing. Like, and like during 2020 when a lot of people just went down the crapper, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's important is like, yeah, do, are you just here for like your five seconds of fame or are you in, in it for the long run? And for me, it's about longevity in the sport and making sure I'm injury free for the most part. Um, and able, able to coach too. So I feel like maybe I'm not competing as often as some newer lifters, but that's okay. Like for me, I I need a longer off season. Like I'm in my thirties. Um, I'm not old by any means, but things are definitely getting more difficult, um, or more achy and, um, I'm okay with like the little PRs or, and just competing to have fun too. Yeah. I think that's a big one. I always tell people like I, I compete usually twice a year. And mm-hmm. every, I think only one year I competed once and that was because we were moving and there was a lot of other things that had to come first. But it's like, yeah, I compete enough where I can have a good, you know, five months of straight training for it and getting back into, you know, a competition. But I can't be competing four times a year. Like I don't know how people do it. I, would- I don't I have some athletes that do it and I'm, I'm doing two this year. I did one in the February and then I'm competing in November. So I've had a nice long off season, been able to work on the things I need to work on. Um, and not just constantly being in prep because that's exhausting on your body. Totally. Totally. I, yeah, this time I'm probably going to take a good, uh, gosh, maybe like eight months. I'm competing at, at, uh, the drug test in North America's in orange beach, which is like oh, cool. only six hours away from me. So it's like, yeah. It's, yeah so I'm pretty excited that it's, like everybody in Alabama, because yes. that's where I live, right? They're all going to be there. So it's nice because it feels like it'll be a home gym experience. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's going to be in Orange Beach, which is really nice. It's just beautiful is that area. Close to you? Yeah, it's about five. I think it's about five and a half to six hours. I've, it's, that's it's not enough. Close. Of, it's close <laughs> enough. Let me tell you. Like, it, cause I'm at the top of Alabama and Orange Beach is all the way on the bottom. Like you're a second okay. away from like the corner of Florida. So it's like Orange okay. Beach and then Florida. It's like right there. So I'm like at the top. So I have to make a long enough drive. But normally, you know, like all those are, you know, worlds, North Americas or all those. We're in Alabama. Like we are never where they have it. They have a Palm Springs. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I have to take a plane I to go to Palm Springs. Living in California, uh, drug tested North Americans was at my home gym last year. Oh my so gosh. I- See? <laughs> and then. Uh, drug tested world is in California this year too. So that's my next meet. Oh, where is it at? It's going to be in Costa Mesa. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I used to live in San Jose for many years. Okay. So I was more NorCal. Um, yeah. but I love, I love California, you know, like I, I do like going back. My brothers still live there. So I go and visit them, but yeah, I didn't realize that. I know next year they're going to have, uh, I want to say that it's nationals, drug tested nationals in Atlanta. I'm not sure. If uh-huh. you, um, I think so. Um, I don't ever travel to be quite honest yeah. with two young kids and being a single parent. Like yeah. I just, it's not in the cards for me. So next year I'm already planning is going to be my local meet year nice. because all, all of the big events are going to be too far for me to go to, but yeah. that's okay. And, um, you know, gives me a chance to chip some state records 
because you can't chip state records at a world level event. Yep. Uh, and I'm like so close. So I'm like, Hey, well, I'm gonna take advantage of that. <laughs> you know, and I, it was funny because it wasn't till I did a local meet here and it was a while ago um, that, I mean, I had realized that I had been doing all worlds, nationals, oh. that like nobody else was there with me. Like it was me and my husband and like a few people, but it wasn't like my team, you know, whereas when I'm, handling my people at my gym where they usually do a local one and it's like so much fun you know everybody's there cheering you on your family's there your family friends like I tell people all the time like yeah it's great to be at these national level meets because you can really see how you are but it's a totally different feel when you have a lot of people that you know and are with you and cheering you on like I I mean that's it felt great I was like man I gotta do this more often but I was handling and competing which was definitely hard. Uh, so yeah. I, only time I've ever done that. Uh, but I was kind of like, ah, I don't care what I do. And I ended up doing really great. Like it was like, I'm yeah. training for it. But you know, it's like, they're first. So I, I'm, I know that I'm gonna be able to kind of moderate what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. like, for me, Atlanta is only three hours away from me, because where okay. I am, it's like across the other way. So I was like, oh, nice. but, but Atlanta is not Orange Beach. So I'm like, I'm doing Orange Beach because that beach is beautiful. It's just like, it's just like being in Florida. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's the closest I'm going to get to anything California weather. <laughs> like, <laughs> But I did want to talk a little bit about, um, you have a wonderful event that is coming up. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your experience with domestic violence. And I know that it has been something that you've been able to share with your your fan base, I mean, people that follow you. Um, and I know that it's you're combining the best of both worlds with this event that you're putting on. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your history and why this yeah. is so you know important to you right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have been very vocal as an advocate for domestic violence and am able to share my story, which has been very healing for me. Um, I was in an abusive relationship from 2016 to 2017. Um, we were only together for a year, but it escalated really quickly with the abuse after we got married. Um, I ended up leaving and getting restraining order when I was five months pregnant mm-hmm. after he threw me to the floor for the third time. Um, so I had already miscarried and lost a baby after um, one of the times that he assaulted me. And, um, yeah, things just kept escalating and getting worse. And I finally, you know, stood up and got the restraining order and got divorced and have been dealing just with the court system ever since. And one thing I'm a big advocate of is just teaching people that a lot of times when we leave abuse, it doesn't end. So just because I left because I got a restraining order didn't mean that the abuse ended. Um, it just switched from like physical abuse then to emotional harassing, stalking, all of that, um, to the point where we've had, you know, numerous orders put in place. I now have a no negative contact order where he can only communicate about, um, our son together. So it's been, it's been a really difficult journey and one that I don't think anyone could have prepared me for. Like I knew nothing about terms like gaslighting or narcissism or anything about abuse, beforehand, but becoming educated in abuse has really helped me heal and been empowering because I've been able to recognize patterns. I've been able to help a lot of women get out of abuse. Um, I actually volunteer with a nonprofit called We Are Her, and I run a survivor support group for moms who have experienced domestic violence. Um, So just helping other moms navigate the court system, because when you have a child together with your abuser, 
all of the rules change. Like if someone on the street came up and punched you, the person would go to jail and you would n- it, not be expected to talk to them ever again. Right. But if that person is your child's parent, and if you make a statement like you're afraid, the courts will tell you you're being a bad parent. Um, I've been told just because he hit you doesn't mean he'll hit your kid. Um, that, you know, a lot about like, well, it's his right to his kid or, you know, he has a right to talk to you, all these things. And, um, yeah, I get looks of disbelief all the time. And these are literal, literal statements I've heard from people in the court, like mediators and judges. And uh, so it's important to not only help other women who are in the same situation, but to educate people. So that's why I've been really glad I'm able to put on this fundraiser coming up. Like you said, uh, combining my two passions, domestic violence advocacy and lifting, um, and the nonprofit this will be supporting is called Survivor's Best Friend, and they help survivors of abuse adopt a shelter pet. And they also provide a lot of like mental health resources because a lot of survivors deal with like PTSD and yeah. depression and anxiety. Um, so they provide a lot of resources for that. And they actually help me adopt my dog. So my dog is a German Shepherd. Got him from the shelter, and he has just helped me and the kids feel so safe and protected. I mean, if you hear his bark, I'm surprised he hasn't barked yet. Um, it's a little scary. Like he's the sweetest, softest German dog. shepherd. That's a, that's yeah. a great dog. But he's a shepherd. Yeah. Um, and they also like have provided care packages for me and the kids and for the dog. Um, so they've gone just above and beyond and making sure that like we're taken care of. So I want to be able to give back to them so they can help other people get like emotional support animals. And I love that they do it through, um, shelters. So it's not like go get a designer dog. It's go adopt a pet in need. And you have this survivor who's also in need of that comfort and it really works out well. Um, so do they train the dog and everything to be more of a therapeutic dog? No, you just, um, as far as what the nonprofit does, they'll just pay for the adoption. Um, I believe they might have some stuff to help you get, um, your dog labeled as an emotional support animal. Cause I know the laws on that vary by state. Like I'm pretty sure in California, you can just get your therapist to write a letter and then your, um, animal can be an emotional support animal, but in other States there's different policies so they can help someone go through that process of like, what do I need to do? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no training. I thought about getting my dog special training for that, but I mean, he's a little older and he was really well trained as far as like obedience when I got him. Oh, thankfully, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very grateful. He's the best dog I've ever had. Oh, that's wonderful. I didn't know they, and that's such a great program. Is that something that they offer outside of California as well? You yeah, know? it's a national program. So okay. um, anywhere in the States, I believe, I don't know if they service other countries as of right now. Okay. I'd have to look into that, but um, anywhere in the States, they can help. And what's the name of the company again? Survivor's Best Friend. Survivor's Best Friend. Okay. That is fantastic because I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, that I've spoken to, especially on this podcast, who have survived all types of abuse. And I, it's wonderful how many – it's opened my eyes because I've never – been through abuse and it's opened my mm-hmm. eyes to the resources um and to the communities that are made out of you know from this sort of trauma um but mm-hmm. y'all team together so wonderfully and like something like this is just amazing 
that you're able to do. And maybe this would be an annual thing, deadlifts and dogs, so everybody can come and just deadlift, right? So how does it work? Are you paying? Are you donating? How is the, how is the actual event working? So I've never run a fundraiser before, so I'm very new to this and figuring it out as I go. Um, but Aren't we the, all? Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, we're just going to do it. It's something that's been on my mind for a few years now, and I just hadn't had the time or the resources to actually, or probably I didn't have the confidence to do it, to be quite honest. And I'm in a place now where I'm like, okay, well, I I just got to do it. Um, So I asked Rick, the owner of Ironmonger's Gym in Vista, uh, if if he would help me host it. And he said yes. So he is letting us use the gym for four hours. Um, It's going to be October 23rd from 4 to 8 p.m., and it's dogs and deadlifts for domestic violence. So it's going to be a deadlift party. Oh, so awesome. people awesome. can go online. There's a link on uh, my Instagram or if you go to survivorsbestfriend.org and just click on their events, they have the link. Um, and you can register for $25 for the event. Uh, you don't have to show up. You can just register as a donation. You can register and also add an additional donation. Um, and what that ticket gets you is entry into the event. And you'll be able to deadlift and we're going to be deadlifting for like max weight. So I'm going to have a few prizes for like dots, um, you know, biggest deadlift as well as just like the pound for, or, um, you know, the biggest deadlift per pound. Yeah. Um, and I have a couple sponsors so far, kind of fit, kind of fat's going to be supporting as well as skull smash ammonia is going to be providing some packages for prizes. And I'm still working on a few other people to, to donate for that. So that way you can come and deadlift you know, max out, have fun and just kind of like a, it's not going to be like a platform base where you have to go up in front of everyone, but just more that, um, I think they have four deadlift platforms. So people can be deadlifting simultaneously, kind of an unofficial thing, you know, no refs or anything, but just what's your best gym lift as far as the deadlift. Those are the best ones. Let me tell you, those are the, you know, where it's not necessarily so structured. Right. Exactly. I know I went to a similar um, fundraising event a couple years ago and it gave me the idea of doing this like deadlift party and just the energy. I mean, you know, like you're in a gym with a ton of people, yeah. a little bit of ego lifting, but um, so I love it, it ends up being <laughs> a lot of fun. And, and hopefully um, what I'll do too is like provide resources for domestic violence and perhaps some like local stuff around the San Diego area. That's wonderful. We we do a, a, a fundraiser for, um, uh, it's called Wade's Army, and it's a nonprofit mm-hmm. for children's cancer. Pretty much, um, it's neoblastoma. It's a specific one, but the actual the actual company that um, the, the nonprofit that started it they they it's a CrossFit workout that they do. So that's like similar idea, but they do a CrossFit workout. It's fucking nuts. Okay, it's a CrossFit workout that I, I mean it's it's not terrible, but it's hard. Okay. So I was like, can we change that workout to just deadlifts? And they're like, yeah, you can do whatever you want. So we do something very similar. And we did, we actually started off with like um, deadlift your body weight for reps in a minute. We have a lot of people who don't, um, we're not predominantly a powerlifting gym. So it's like 20% powerlifting and everybody else is general population. So they were like, more people would be willing to come if it was body weight for reps. So we had them going like head to head. And we had people both weighing about the same. And then it was like just facing each other, just deadlifting the whole time. And it was awesome oh, for a minute. Cool. And then you count how many reps. And so the oh one was, huh? yeah. <laughs> so of course I went against a friend of mine who's like a local powerlifting person here, same weight. Like she's like, actually she's lighter. And she was, 
I was dying. I was at 40 something. I was already pretty like, yeah. Yeah. No, she was cheering me on. Amberly, if you're listening to this, she was cheering me on. Come on, Heidi, with her like her southern accent. Come on, come on. She did 50. No, she did 60. She went faster than a minute. It was crazy. Yes. But we ended up changing a little bit of both. So we do the head to head and then we do the one rep max because everybody loves to see the one rep max and it's unstructured and it's fun and people are willing to just donate more money and, you know, for for a good cause. So I love, I love hearing that. I'm excited to see how it's going to go. Thanks. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm going to keep rolling out like more information as it gets closer. And yeah, yeah, just excited to see what people get involved in. I've already had like some survivors reach out to me that they're going to be attending. And I think it'll just be a good community event. Yeah, totally. I wanted to uh, maybe just touch base a little bit about some terminology because you remember we were talking about some terminology when we're talking about domestic violence that I was unaware of. And um, it helped me kind of put in perspective when I know people who I realize gaslight their partners. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's really kind of been eye opening. Um, But the first step for me was kind of understanding what the language was and what the pattern with that kind of language is, you know, and maybe some things to look out uh, for and know that I think that I was gaslighted a lot in my previous relationship. And I realized that 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 was a form of manipulation and at certain points. And um, now, of course, looking back, I'm like, huh, he wasn't just an asshole. Like, you know, like I can be like, "Ah, I can see what he was trying to do, you know, and those things. So maybe you could help us, you know, familiarize uh, everybody a little bit more with some of the terminology. Yeah, definitely. So I think like to start off gaslighting is generally just trying to make someone feel crazy. Like you're like, oh, hey, you said this. And like, oh, I never said that. Or, um, you know, changing your perception of like, well, you hurt my feelings. And then, you know, the kind of like, I'm sorry, but or just like never taking responsibility for their actions, making you feel stupid for having feelings or feel crazy because you're remembering things wrong when really you're not. Um, So that's definitely a big tool of manipulation that a lot of people will get caught in. And it is very sneaky because you don't realize it at first. And if you don't know what it is or what to look for, and you're just constantly like, man, my partner makes me feel crazy. Like, I feel like I'm always upset, but he's always saying like, you know, nothing happened or, um, you know, that's probably a, a pretty big sign. If you're feeling crazy in your relationship, something's probably off. I always talk to about like warning signs of abuse. And a lot of things are, it's not always physical. Like for me, it did escalate to physical, but it didn't start that way. Um, one of the big warning signs that I missed, but now I'm very aware of was love bombing. So love bombing is when someone just completely like overshowers you with love and affection in the beginning. It's generally in the first three months, lots of gifts, lots of like just crazy compliments. If you're saying things like, Oh, this person's too good to be true. They're probably too good to be true. I mean, he just, everything I wanted to hear, everything I wanted, he wanted, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then months later, everything kind of changed. And it was like, oh no, I never really wanted that. And it was kind of, they say these things just to, to get you on the hook and to, to catch you. So a lot of times if you're seeing that, like, yes, it's normal. If you're dating someone and it's new, they should give you compliments. They should, you know, make you feel good. But if it's a little like too much and overwhelming, that is where it would be love bombing. So that's, 
a big warning sign. Um, another one is like not taking responsibility for your actions. If you notice the person constantly has an excuse or they're a person that's like, I'm sorry, but, um, a big sign for this with my ex was like, he got a speeding ticket and he blamed the cop and was like, well, it was the cop's fault for, you know, he just wanted to get someone. And I was like, well, you're going like 20 miles over the speed limit. No, no, no. It's the cop's fault. Like could not take responsibility for anything. Wow. Um, it's always someone else's fault. And that carried over. Um, and then just, I want to point out too, like I said, that abuse is sometimes so gradual. I, made a comparison a while back on, um, Instagram that it's like putting a frog in a pot of water and slowly turning up the fire till it boils. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not drop the frog into boiling water. It's so slow and gradual that you don't even realize until you're on fire. Um, and it is confusing because by then a lot of the times you already have like relationships, maybe it's embarrassing to leave or, um, if legal, like when it's married, it obviously gets more complicated and difficult to leave. Or if you have children, lots of things that pull you in. Um, I'd say another couple of important warning signs are like financial abuse, uh, controlling your money or criticizing your spending. Um, but big one is like a lot of survivors experience their partner controlling their money, like maybe only giving them like a certain amount of cash and saying, you're not allowed to spend anything else, even if that person works. Um, so that's another warning sign and like sexual abuse too. So it can also be sexual. And a big part of that is it's not always just rape, but also like making you afraid to say no. So Mm. there's a situation where afraid to say no to your partner or they're constantly pressuring you until you say yes. That would also be another big thing of abuse that people don't realize. I think especially in marriages, because I think there's a sense that, we owe it to our spouse to, to have sex or to do whatever, you know, sexual desires they have without taking care of ourselves. And, you know, at some point there is perhaps compromise or, you know, working together, Mm -hmm. but if you're just getting steamrolled or if you're literally afraid to say no, um, that would be like coercion and definitely a warning sign or not even a warning sign that is abuse. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. There's so many right there that I like, I didn't even realize it, you know, like mm-hmm. love bombs. I could totally see that because I know some people who, um, and it's, it's sort of a cycle and they're the person who is always doing this love bomb, but they can never mm-hmm. be with somebody and they've had a past of manipulation within relationships, you know, and knowing that. So it's interesting how, how that actually is something that people just do. And I'm sure they don't even think about it. It's just, something that happens as they're trying to control the other person. Yeah. It leads to like really quick relationships. A lot of, um, yeah. wow. People right on the subject will say like the three month mark because, uh, a person can't maintain really like this false identity for more than three months normally. So if in the first three months you're like really fastened to saying, I love you or moving in together and not every time, cause there are plenty of relationships that happen quickly that are fine and normal and healthy. But, um, oftentimes abusive relationships begin very quickly like that. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I was checking box and this person in my mind, like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, it's like, it's too bad. And I, and you know, so like, I feel like I have more knowledge, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that that is something that we, they don't talk a lot about, you know, and definitely not in powerlifting, but it's funny because of the podcast, I feel like, I feel like a lot of women have turned to strength training and then 
powerlifting, you know, right. as a way to heal through this journey. Um, yeah. And I didn't expect that. I didn't, you know, my, when I started this podcast, it was like to talk to women about their journeys and how they got to the way in and to hear about their struggles, but not realizing how many women have been through so much different trauma. Um, and they're, and they found a lot of, uh, healing through lifting weights and becoming stronger physically to help themselves through the process. So, yeah. Thank you. And I will, and to go off that too, like one in four women are the victims of domestic violence. So it's so common and prevalent. Um, there's some statistics that will show one in three actually. So depending on what sources you look at, but it really is all around us and men are victims of domestic violence too. I don't want to neglect that. Um, but the advocacy I work on is mostly like gender-based violence against women. Um, and then, when I left that relationship, it was the scariest thing. Like I said, I was, I was pregnant. Um, he was in the military and so he was getting BAH to be married to me. Of course. But he got kicked out to go live in the barracks and he just kept the BAH and I got evicted when my son was one month old. His son (laughs) was one month old, um, ended up in a shelter for two years with my kids because we, we couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. Um, ended up with a lot of debt and sorry. Oh, my, no. <laughs> okay. Hold on, Max. Um, uh, sorry. My little one's coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was going to say though, that in leaving that, I know that if I can leave that and get past that and create this life for myself, lifting weights is nothing like something switched in me when I left that relationship that increased my drive for lifting. And it's been insane. Like I never, like I said, I never imagined going to these big level meets before. I never looked at it. I never considered like I could even be at that level. And now being an elite level lifter, I just, I want more. Yeah. And, um, and I'm literally physically stronger than ever. And I really attribute that just to the mental fortitude that came from, from leaving the abuse and just yeah. getting stronger mentally. So I'm really in a weird way, grateful yeah. for it because, um, I don't think it made me stronger. I think I already was strong and I just realized my own strength for the first time. And so I can see that in a lot of women too. Um, and something I do in my coaching is, you know, make sure that my team is supported, make sure that they can come and talk to me. And while I'm not their therapist and I don't try to intercede or go beyond my scope, I am there to listen because I think that's an important part of being a coach is knowing what's going on in their life. And as someone is struggling with something like this, um, and lifting can help empower them. So they have the emotional strength to pull themselves out of a dangerous or bad situation. That's what it's all about. That's totally. more important to me than any PR. Totally. I totally agree. I, th- I feel like coaching is definitely a good coach will be beyond just lifting and being mm-hmm. a good listener is such a big part of that. That is wonderful, Sarah. Well, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, what the hell is wrong with you people? <laughs> What the hell was I thinking? Where I ask <laughs> each of our guests, what the hell was I thinking? Where you think back at a time where like, damn, why did I do that? Or that was freaking stupid. Uh, can you think of a time, maybe in powerlifting, maybe in just your regular life that you thought, what the hell was I thinking? Oh, totally in lifting. Uh, I was trying to hold off on saying this earlier when we were talking about like first meets. So I knew nothing about lifting in the beginning. 
Um, and I was working at this gym and this guy like thought he knew about powerlifting and he was trying to get me to use wraps. Right. So my second meet, I was like, I'm going to go classic raw and use wraps. So I bought these like cheap wraps from sports mart, which isn't even around anymore. And they were fully like ace bandage wraps. Like they were so flimsy. And so I bought these, right. And then he told me, well, you got to, you wear them to deadlift. And I was a conventional deadlifter. So I went into this meet and I deadlifted with wraps, with my flimsy ace bandage wraps. And I had like, I am so embarrassed of that. Every time that comes back up in my memories, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, you don't wear wraps to deadlift. Like, I just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, so that was definitely, that was pretty embarrassing, but I think it's funny too. And cause I'll, I'll point out, you know, like, Hey, we all start somewhere and I didn't know any better. And I had no other resource other than this person at my gym who was very sure he knew what he was doing. And, um, so you know, yeah. it's weird. I do see people occasionally wearing wraps for deadlifts. Oh, and, really? Yes. <laughs> Usually they're very old and everything's broken and they're wearing, you know what I mean? Like they're like at that point, but I I always thought like, that's a first, I don't think, I I mean, it'll probably help you a little bit, but not ace bandages. That won't. No, I mean, cause I've seen knee sleeves for like sumo lifters, right. Mm -hmm. And like helping with their knees, but it was just, it was so silly. Yeah. It wasn't a USBA meet. It was definitely like a, a gym. He was a, doing a gym thing. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, okay. he got every, every joint is wrapped right now. Like, I'm not sure <laughs> if your shoulder joint is wrapped right now. Cause it looks like. It shouldn't be lifting. Yeah. Wrapped. That's what I felt like. I was like, I sh- I don't know. That's like 700 pounds and you're like 75. I don't know if that's a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's hilarious. Like, see, and I love that though, because so many people only see the end, right? They only <laughs> see where you're at now. But never realize, like, hey, you just started lifting this year. Like, I deadlifted and I competed in shorts and a tank top. And I, I mean, like, I, I didn't pick my numbers good. Like, you know, it's just so yeah. – and that's it's normal. It's a experience. It is. Yeah, it's totally normal. Yeah, it's totally normal and it's totally okay to do. But at least we did it. We went exactly. out and we did it. And that's what's important. Right. This has been fantastic. And I'm thank you so much for joining me on this call. And I love that. I know everybody's going to learn a lot from it and they're going to be a little closer to you. And um, I will have all the information for your event in October 14th, correct? Uh, 23rd. Sorry, October 23rd. So I'll have all the information in there and then uh, we'll get it back to you. Okay. Thank you. I've yeah. been so honored to be a part of this. So thank you very much.